right, welcome back into the Plank Show. We're aware of the efforts or the issues on 94.7 FM. I mean, it doesn't matter because you're not hearing this. <laughs> if you try to listen on 94.7 hey! FM. Hey! But we're aware of the signal issues, and I would highly suggest downloading the KREF app. Uh, I, I love using it. And it's simple, great sound out of it, too. If you have a loved one that might not be hearing this right now on 94.7 FM, please text them and let them know. Just search KREF (laughs) in your app store or play store, and you can find us and listen to us for free worldwide. Dude, I am just cracking up at all the different memes, making fun of Russell Wilson high kneeing 35,000 feet. Why did he say that? Gosh, he's getting so cringy. This is good timing. Is Joey ready? He's ready, yeah. Okay, so Joey Helmer joins us, noted NFL fan as well, OUinsider.com. This theory was brought up, guys, by Pat McAfee yesterday. He thinks that that Russell Wilson, the the only logical explanation that he has is that Russell Wilson has to be filming some sort of mockumentary. Because there is no way that anyone, Joey, can be this cringe. Are you buying that maybe he's doing this on purpose as part of some sort of jokey joke mockumentary, or is he really is he really this cringe? It's the greatest troll job of all time, if it is. I know! Broncos country, let's stretch, baby. <laughs> let's stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I'm like you, I'm just, I mean... I'm just these videos keep coming up, and I just it, it's it's impossible not to just watch all of them, and I just I'm uh, just busting up watching them. <laughs> I've cracked up so much at just the subway one, dude. I, the the subway sandwich one, where he, he's just eating a sub sandwich, but the whole way he's sitting there trying to explain his sub sandwich, I'm like. <laughs> If I was going through the taping process and I'd, I'd be like, cut, I, I don't think this works. Now, I've had to do some cringy things in my life, right? I had a Cox Cable commercial where I had to flip a remote up in the air and say, oh, he's watching in my living room. I mean, it's pretty cringe. But that's, I just feel like this is kind of who he is. Yeah, this is intentional with him. This right. is not. <laughs> this is not a commercial that he's getting oh. paid or – you know, professionally told to do. He he really is that way. I which think you're right. They might have to trade him just for that. <laughs> uh, what'd you take away from last night, Joey? Gosh, wasn't that a just an unbelievable way for fall? I guess fall ball's not technically over, right. but for the battle series to come to an end like that, and extra innings. I mean. Gosh, just every time I've been out there, and this is the closest, I think I've said this before, but this is the closest I've ever followed um, fall ball. And just the talent that is out there um, <laughs> for both teams. I, I thought Nicole Mendez said it perfectly last night, kind of when you guys were closing out, uh, that it was literally top two top ten teams going at it all fall. And... Uh-oh. and see that in person, uh-huh. it was phenomenal. And, of course, people were able to watch it um, on ESPN Plus as well. So the exposure for this team, it's fantastic. And um, the just the, the talent level is really remarkable. It's so fun. It's so fun. Um, out The two biggest things for me last night on my Twitter timeline was, did Jordy Ball dye her hair? And what's up with Grace Lyons? So I'm glad that I think we could pretty much answer both of those questions with a yes. I mean, it's brown and it's usually blonde. And number two, and most importantly, Grace Lyons looks joy like she's going to be okay and ready to go for the season. But I'm like you. 
I never really follow fall ball that close, right? I might call coach and kind of talk a little bit about what she's she's got and how she's feeling and maybe go out to a game or two, but I hope this becomes a trend in the future for college for uh, Sooner softball. It was really fun. I love it. I enjoyed every single minute of being out there, and I always do, but um, it, you look and the fall is such a grind with football season, but yet um, going out there on Wednesday nights and being able to get a glimpse of what this team is going to be in the spring was really, really fun. And uh, I think kind of opened my eyes again to just how talented some of these newcomers are. Sidney Sanders uh, winning the battle series. And, um, I mean, she just looked awesome the entire month. So you can go on down the list with the new players and obviously the, the returners that uh, are back from the national back-to-back national championship team. But, yeah, it, it was it, it was an awesome time getting out there. All right. Joey Helmer joins us, OUinsider.com. Let's uh, shift our focus to Saturday in Ames, 11 a.m. I feel like we've talked a lot about Iowa State and that consistent thought is they're a little bit better than obviously 0-4 in conference play would, would tell you. But what's kind of been your thoughts on Matt Campbell's crews you've prepped for this weekend? Well, they're really, really good first off. And it's not news to anyone, but they're outstanding defensively. I mean, they make you work for every single yard, every single first down you get. So um, we, we've talked about before with Oklahoma, it, it's just precision to me. And getting that first down and being able to get in your tempo and uh, get going. But Iowa State makes that really, really tough to do. And uh, th- this is not your typical 0-4 football team. This is not your typical Big 12 season either. Uh, I think this is – it's almost a cliche at times, and it's like any given day, you know, you can win any game or lose any game. Truly, this year, that is actual life in the Big 12. And so, um, Iowa State could sneak up and beat the best team uh, in the league, and yet here they are, uh, an 0-4 team at this point in the season. So, uh, this is a tough game for Oklahoma this weekend, I think. It really helps them that they've had a week to prepare to see what they're going to see uh, on that defensive side of the ball. And uh, then maybe um, the, the defense is able to correct a few things and put a better product out there as well at Ames this weekend. Plank and I have kicked it around this week. The, I mean, every game when you had a three-game losing streak early is probably going to feel this way. But, uh, you know, for me, I'm maybe, maybe more confident than I should be this week versus Iowa State, and so I'm kind of pointing toward next week versus Baylor for my, hey, this is going to tell me a lot about what the rest of the season looks like for Oklahoma game, but where are you at with that? I mean, how much are we learning this week about the trajectory of Oklahoma's remaining schedule this week? Yeah, Josh, obviously we've talked about it um, quite a bit, you and I, but if Oklahoma puts – the product together offensively that they did the last time out against Kansas. And look, they left plays out there on the field and scored 52 points. So um, if they put that product out on the field the rest of the season, they'll have a chance to win every single game they play. I mean, I just don't see it any other way around it. They can win every game on their schedule if they play like that and play a better brand of to me, this weekend is a bit of a measuring stick to see how they come back, how they carry that momentum that they had offensively. But 
uh, I agree with you, a, a better test uh, next week. And uh, we'll see if, if they can get rolling here and, and win a game and then uh, come home and win next weekend. They could really have some momentum late in the season after the couple of performances that they uh, put together here a little bit ago. All right, so uh, we were we were playing a little audio from Jim Nagy, the executive vice president of the Senior Bowl, earlier, and I talked to him yesterday, and it was kind of a surprise to me to hear how intrigued they are by Wanye Morris as a potential invite to the Senior Bowl and his NFL possibility. It got me thinking, jo- uh, Joey, has this offensive line maybe been a little bit better as the season progressed than we've given him credit for, especially with the way the off uh, the running game has come together? And I say over the last few weeks, really, I maybe more specifically just last week. It has been, and I think it's a unit we really maybe haven't talked about enough. They've consistently improved, and Jeff Levy has pointed that out when we've asked him, uh, about you know where they need to improve offensively. What what's you know what what went wrong against Texas? Obviously, what what went wrong in some of the inconsistencies against K State and TCU? And yet, uh, most all those times, he said he was pleased with the offensive line play. The issues weren't really there at all. So, um, I, I do think um, that they there, there's been an um, upward trajectory with that unit. I, I would certainly agree with that. I'm kind of surprised, too, by how – I don't know if it's quiet, but how kind of low-key the rotation they had was. In other words, you looked out there two Saturdays ago, and it's like, whoa, Conjol's at guard, right? Where's, you know, the, the, the Cal transfer? Where's – I don't know why his name just completely escaped me. But, uh, McCade Matar. McCade Matar, thank you. Where's Matar at? And, and they just – I don't know. Joey, if there's one thing that I feel like I've learned since Bill Bedenboe took over as the offensive line coach, he's not just going to sit there and sit on his hands and assume that, oh, yeah, this thing is going to get better because I have these five guys. He's constantly he's constantly evaluating what changes he can make that could make that O-line better, and I really think they've hit on a few here. Certainly, and I know this has been of some discussion in the past when uh, in preseason maybe – uh, they've talked about, oh, you know, we're this deep on the offensive line and uh, we don't really know what our starting rotation is going to be, uh, but we can play a number of players well. <laughs> this year, it, that that was the proof of the pudding on that, uh, what what you're saying. I mean, uh, just mixing lines, getting the best lineup out there uh, that's able to get a push up front and generate some momentum and uh, get that offense moving, so... Yeah, uh, I think that's certainly something that uh, stood out. And um, man, you, you can't ever have enough bodies up front. Uh, I mean, really anywhere, but uh, especially there. If Oklahoma's not good defensively or competent in this game, I think that obviously is a bad sign the rest of the way for the Sooners. Just kind of looking at what some of the numbers look like for Iowa State offensively going into this game. So. With that in mind, how important is this game just individually, defensively for Oklahoma? And where can Oklahoma be good, in your mind, defensively the rest of the way? Can Oklahoma be good in an area defensively the rest of the way? Okay, and I may have some people that disagree with me, but yes, they can. We saw it early in the season. Um, I just, you know, I think we beat ourselves – doing too much recency bias to be like, okay, 
well, the last three, I guess it's four games now. They've given up 40-plus points um, in each of those games. But we, we do have a bit of a sample size early on in the season where I think all of us thought, wow, this defense might be different this year. So getting Billy Bowman back, I don't know when that's going to happen. That's so key for, for that unit. I mean, that's your best player on that side of the ball. And – such a pivotal piece. So um, I, I think that's been a major deficiency for them. Um, how, how much better can they play? Uh, they need to play a lot better. I mean, they really do. Um, but we have seen at times this year, I think the TCU game, um, there, there were like four or five huge, huge chunk plays. And uh, now <laughs> those can't happen, right? I mean, that's, the example of bad defense but if you look at it the other way around and you say well all but you know five to you know eight plays were were not awful there's stuff to build on on that side of the ball so I think that has had to been the rallying cry for this little time and a week off maybe they were able to see some of those things and um, address them we'll see but they they absolutely have got to be uh, better this last five games there if, if they're if they're to win um, as many as they want to joy helmer ouinsider.com buddy we appreciate your time look forward to seeing you up in ames and we'll talk to you again soon thanks guys appreciate it it's joey helmer ouinsider.com by the way in 45 minutes from now the man who is all over the cruton side of ouinsider.com parker thune will be right here on the ref because there's some recruiting fallout now when we come back we've got our newcastle casino top five stories of the day followed by our thursday worries and then of course we wrap things up but i i will say there's a new plan josh for one jimbo fisher and apparently all of this is it part of jimbo's master plan we'll talk about it right here on the top five stories of the day next those Cheez-Its are legit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't stopped eating them. Which uh, flavor do you like better? I'm not a big Parmesan guy. Because like, in like a garlic Parmesan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like that straight heat. So I'm kind of paying for it every commercial break. <laughs> yeah, I see you chugging that water. But it's good. Cheese uh, is so good. Our man Greg Scallion from the Compete Barbecue team came by this morning and kind of treated the crew if you will. So thank you, Greg. Yes. Thank you, Greg. Nice to meet you as well. Oh, you hadn't met Greg before? I like Greg Scalia. I don't think so. Maybe I, I had. I don't remember it, though. I think I'm saying his last name right, but he's awesome. I like him a lot. All right. Are you ready here in hour three of the Plank Show for the Newcastle Casino Top 5 Stories of the Day before, though, we hit that incredibly well-produced open? For the Newcastle Casino top five yes, stories nicely, of the day. Nicely done by you. <laughs> let's uh let's tell you about our new sponsor for hour three. It's good folks in Moppin Roofing and Construction. They've got you covered. Call Bob Moppin and his team at 405-703-3843. Fully insured, licensed, and bonded Moppin Roofing. All right, let's do it, Josh. Top five stories of the day. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. 20, um, 
Boy, that's a heck of a start to a read by botching it right off the top. Newcastle Casino offers earn 20, get 20, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 10 a to 10p. You can place your bets at the OTB, conveniently located off I-44, exit 107. Boom. Let's go. Big story number five. Number five. All right, big story number five. Uh, This was in that realm yesterday because we were playing the audio from Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark. Well, today we continue to get more news about what that deal might look like for the Big 12. So quickly, here is Andrew Marshan, whom I talked to a little bit yesterday. And it was a very, very simple question. As... We look at the Big 12 deal as we start to look ahead as to what that contract might look like. How soon can it happen? How much money is it truly going to be $400 million? Yeah, I, I think that, look, nothing's done yet. And you know, these are big time agreements. So uh, nothing is official. And uh, my partner, John Oran, thinks a little bit closer than I do. And I do think it will happen but I'm not sure if it's going to happen this second. Uh, but I think the Big 12 will do a deal with ESPN and Fox, which is the only two partners they're allowed to negotiate right now. It'll be an extension onto the current three years that they have left. And uh, I think it will be in the 350 to $360 million per year range. So, with that in mind, Josh, I heard the term extension in there, right? So I automatically thought, does that mean that it's changing something in the current contract? Does that mean that this could get OU and Texas in the SEC prior to the 2025 football season? Andrew Marshan kind of shut that down. Yeah, I don't know. I think the next three years are not going to change. Okay. Uh, I think when you look at these deals, like a lot of times when you do an extension, you might get a sweetener where you know, over the next three years you get a little extra money. I don't think that's going to happen. In this uh, situation, I think it's just going to be an extension after the three years, uh, which doesn't include, of course, Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, so the money will go up a little bit when you lose Texas and Oklahoma. Obviously, those are two big blows in terms of the market and the fan bases that those two uh, universities have. Uh, so that changes the equation a little bit. But uh, So I, I don't think um, – at least from my perspective, I don't think that's in the realm of possibility that Texas and Oklahoma, at least at this point, are let out early. Um, I don't, I don't think ESPN or Fox uh, would necessarily want that. I guess ESPN with the SEC, it probably, I don't know if it would help them or if it doesn't matter either way. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I haven't heard that at least. So again, for those of you that are kind of still in that conspiracy theorist mindset, which I'm right there with you even with the Big 12 agreeing to its new deal, that won't affect that won't affect what happens for the for the future value in Texas. What are you digging into? What are you looking at? Well, I'm trying to just see what some of the numbers nationally look like, the payouts for the SEC, Big 10, Pac-12, et cetera. Because based on the numbers that he threw out there, it's like 29 point – let's round up and call it 29.2 million per school – if it's the low end, three fifty mm-hmm. million per year, which I mean, wow, that is uh, you're dividing it by twelve too. You know, it's just it's it's not 
what it was. Again, it's not bad considering that you lost OU in Texas. I mean, it's, it's not a $15 million per school disaster. Right, but it's not this massive improvement that some people are trying to make it sound like it's going to be. Not if his numbers are right. If it ends right there, then, I mean, that's basically what they're getting right now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Essentially, it is, especially when you divide it by 12. Now, can they wait and see if the if the Amazons of the world want to get involved? Sure. But I don't know if I would wait on that because then you open up the door for the Pac-12. And if the Pac-12 gets its deal done, then I think they I think they end up in a, in a pretty solid spot. But, hey, speaking of the Pac-12, uh, let's get to big story number four here. Number four. Boy, George Klyvkoff has um, – he's, he's really not – not stopped talking when asked about the treatment of USC and UCLA. How does USC and UCLA, as as they prepare essentially for their exit of the conference, how does the conference move forward with them still being part of this conference for the short term? Well, for this season and for next season in all sports, not just basketball, they are part of our conference. They're part of a 100-year tradition. We are going to treat, and I've been very clear with my staff and with everyone that I get to direct, that we're going to treat them the way we would treat them if they weren't leaving. They're part of our conference. We're proud. We know the student-athletes had nothing to do with this decision. Most of the coaches had nothing to do with this decision and are opposed to the decision. So we're going to support them, and we're going to treat them, and we're going to root for them, um, treat them as Pac-12 folks. Damn. But then they talked about fines. There's a Q&A on this, but he's that, that kind of saltiness still comes out. Let's remember, too, you know, there was still that saltiness – they're a little bit further removed now for the Pac-12 from where the Big 12 was when they decided to expand by four more schools. But you know, you, we've experienced this. We've seen this locally. Now, big story number four is more than just about George Klyvkov. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimbo Fisher has everything figured out at Texas A&M. So you might say to yourself, man, it must be tough for these recruiting classes to stay together because they suck. <laughs> right. Apparently not. With four losses so far, it's been pretty disappointing. What's mm-hmm. your message to recruits about the future of the program? Look at what we're doing and the guys that happened. And you know, also, you know, you look at that in the back, they see opportunities. Everybody says, well, I go somewhere's winning all the time. I may not play for a while. You know what I'm saying? But no, we've got good young players. Look at the young players' team. Look at the young talent we have. Look at the guys making a lot of the plays. And they see it. We've got, we got a good nucleus of what we're doing and that we're only a playoff on, the, on those games. And you sell that and you see it and be truthful about it. There's no – and recruiting, the key to recruiting, there's no pitch – when you're a good recruiter, you tell the truth. Recruiting is about one thing, truth and relationships. You can draw it up a hundred ways, but it's silly. All, there is no pitch. There is no magical formula. There is no pixie dust. You build a relationship through truth and trust and be honest with them about where you see them and what they do. And, and you don't base everything off one year either. You don't basically base things off history, what people have done, where they've been, what's happened, schools have happened, players, and see, and see the future of what a program is. But it's based off truth and trust, not a, it's what you tell them. Probably... I wouldn't be basing it off history if I'm selling A&M, but. <laughs> Truth and trust. A couple of staples of Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. I just. Jimbo Fisher, ladies and gentlemen, just, I mean, what a. Yeah, that was one of the biggest BS yeah. answers we've heard yet. I, I feel like he's also one of those guys. I think he's kind of got a little Russell Wilson to him. Where he thinks what he's saying is is really changing everyone's mindset on things. Like guys are walking away from that press conference saying, "Did you get? Did you hear what Jimbo said about recruiting?" Oh, dude, we're good. Truth and trust, man. Truth and trust. 
And they've been truthful, so we can trust that they will continue to get results. All right, um, big story number three. Number three. So one of the big notes in the National Football League is that Sam Ellinger is the new starting quarterback for the Colts. He's been unbelievable. You know, he he has been talking about, by the way, Matt Ryan since he's replaced him. He's been unbelievable. You know, he he has been he's an absolute pro. You know, obviously he's a guy who wants to be on the field, and so there's frustration there. But he has been nothing but supportive. Told me that he has my back regardless um, whatever happens. So I couldn't be more thankful for him. Uh, and then Frank Reich has been left to answer questions about the master plan for the Colts. We just felt like offensively we were struggling. We said, why are we struggling? What are the problems? The problems are we're turning the ball over too much. It's not on one person. We've already, you know, I'm not going to keep hashing through that's not on Matt, but he is a quarterback. So getting sacked too much, turning it over too much, and not scoring enough points. That's on all of us. So the decisions that are made are made around that venue. Um, they've already played the Jaguars twice, so they've <laughs> even though they're one and one in those games, they've got Washington this Sunday. So a pretty good time to change quarterbacks for the Colts. Meanwhile, uh, sticking with the National Football League, we've joked about the Russell Wilson comment on high knees. I don't really get jet lag too often. You know, I don't. I don't really. You know, I've traveled enough to to get you know kind of get my system down. But uh, yeah, for me, I was on the plane about eight, was it, eight hours flight here. Was, was the first two hours, I was watching the film, getting, watching all the cut ups and everything else. And then for the next four hours, I was doing treatment on the plane. I was walking up and down the aisles. Everybody was knocked out. I was doing high knees and working on working on my legs and everything else. You know, making sure I'm ready to rock. Uh, so that was good. And then the last two hours, of, the last hour of that, I, I watched. Uh, I fell asleep for one hour, and I watched the film the rest. So. Uh, I felt re- felt good to go once we got back. I didn't know he put a ready to rock. I know. Make sure I'm ready to rock. He let's, is. Let's go rock and roll, baby. Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. He is so wildly cringeworthy. By the way, somebody, John Hoover, brought up a great point. We we gotta we gotta listen to that Jimbo Fisher cut again, because there's one. I I don't mean to circle back in the middle of making fun of Russell Wilson. But no, we could circle back. Can, can we circle back here? Sure. Real, do you guys have a problem with that? We right. got plenty of time to make fun of them. So yeah, yeah. L- listen, there, there's a, an actual bigger doozy in this than the what was it? Trust in trust in relationships or whatever it was. Or it's been pretty disappointing. What's mm-hmm. your message to recruits about the future of the program? Look at what we're doing and the guys that happened. And you know, also, you know, you look at that. The bad, they see opportunities. Everybody says, well, "I go somewhere, is winning all the time. I may not play for a while." You know what I'm saying? But no, we've got good. Why go somewhere that's winning all the time? Yeah. I got opportunities. <laughs> I got opportunities here. It's all about trust and honesty and relationships. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to win here. I got two ranges. But why go somewhere that wins all the time? I can't get there. The opportunities. Everybody says, well, I go somewhere that's winning all the time. I may not play for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's not going well. Listen, I don't care. I don't care what side you're on. Okay, you can be an A and M diehard fan. This is a disaster. That's a disaster statement. Why go somewhere that wins all the time? All right, sorry. Um, he, st- he did not read from the handbook. We're going to stick with what's been working. We trust the process. Ugh. It was. It was no. I'm. I'm jumping off this cliff, baby. Who's coming with me? Big story number two. Wait for it. Sorry. Just I'm in a loss by that. Number two. 
Trust in relationships. Thank you. Can we just, hey, real quick on the Russell Wilson thing. Sure, yeah, I'm sorry. Bouncing all over the place here. A little pickle. Is there anything that, like, you've got to be the biggest jerk of all time with people sleeping like that to be, like, I don't believe that that's really what happened. I believe that he got some treatment or this or that, and he was trying to be funny, but if he was actually in that plane doing high knees while people are sleeping, I just I can't think of anything more disrespectful. I've so I would like to be invited to see what this plane looked like. Like what's the what's what's the the layout? I mean, when he says he's up and down doing high knees, yeah, he might have been in the high knees portion of the plane. Right? Is there a high knees portion, dude? Here's the thing, too. Perry texted and said that the media is is killing killing Russ in oh, Denver they today. Have to be. But I would also add they should be. They need to be. This is unbelievable. Big story number two, Thunder back in action tonight, 7 o'clock, as they take on the Los Angeles Clippers. No word about the availability for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George tonight. Also, the Lakers lost again last night, which drops LeBron James to 0-4 for the first time since his rookie season. If we would talk NBA as much as other people do, I would probably tell you the Lakers should burn it all down after four games because – yeah, that's, you know, four games into an 82-game season. Though they are really bad at shooting the three. Gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Historically bad. Historically bad. All right, big story number one. OU Iowa State coming up this Saturday. We've got our Thursday worries coming up after the break. Plus, there is one other area. I want to play this real quick before we break. I Our conversation with Jeff Woody was really good. And and Jeff is a smart guy when it comes to Iowa State. But one thing that is shockingly bad about Iowa State this season is their special teams. And usually, usually Iowa State has pretty good special teams. Not the case this season. So um had a chance to ask Jeff about Iowa State and its special teams issues. Uh, here's what he had to say well, about Jeff, what they're struggling with uh, as far as that's concerned. Oops, one would agree. Matt Campbell's a hell of a football coach. Mm-hmm. Please help me understand. How, how are they so bad on special teams year in and year out, Jeff? It makes no sense to me how they continue to, let's say, be a net negative when it comes to the special teams phases of the game. What's crazy to me is that it's, it's different kinds of bad. It's not just one consistent. I mean, so we're in the state of Iowa, and, or I'm in the state of Iowa, and uh, across the way there's the Iowa offense. And the Iowa offense is just bad, but it's consistently bad in the same way. And so that's a different kind of frustration versus what has happened this season and kind of in the past couple of seasons is that there's been separate, totally different ways that the special teams have been bad. And I think one of the things that they've addressed is they hired – he was a guy, a, a coach – they call him Coach Bono. Uh, I forget what his actual name is. Um, but he was an assistant with Jim Fossil on the Rams special teams staff. And they brought him in as an analyst. But he's not on the sidelines for the games. And they've been better from the start of the season to now in most ways. But they still find a way to get a punt blocked in their own territory against Texas seven games into the season – on a normal standard block look. And I think the thing that's frustrating is that they just keep finding different absurd ways to screw up something on special teams. 
Um, why that's happening, I, I couldn't tell you. Because, again, if it was one thing, it's just, you know, look at the Iowa, the Iowa offense. you got to run the ball. Interior offensive line's got to be better. Improve quarterback play. We do those things. We fix the problem. Here, you're dropping punts. You're missing kicks. You're getting punts blocked. Like, it's just there's so many different things that are happening that it's just it is a peculiar thing to be so bad in different ways. Hey, there's been many, many different ways in which they've gone about being bad special teams wise can the Sooners take advantage of it we're about to find out quick break when we come back right here on the ref we've uh we got a little bit on the air comfort solutions text line plus we kick off our Thursday worries right here on the home of Sooner fan all right um welcome back into the plank show hour three brought to you by mop and roofing right here on the home of Sooner fans uh Steelman and Parker Thune coming up next so we'll get the lowdown the insight the info on the Cruton world. Steelman's out at Cavens today. Um, from what I've been told, Gary's birthday present to Jessica was to not have her worry about hearing me for three hours today. So ah, what a gift. Jessica. Thursday worry, writes Realtor Chris. Plank teasing recruiting fallout just teed up three hours of Anthony Evans' unofficial visit, Brent Venables being a hypocrite, and Colton Vosick being a legacy, in case anyone didn't already know that. <laughs> yes, there are many concerns, if you would like to have concerns. I just, you know, it's funny. I don't live in the that, that nonstop 9-to-5 recruiting world. It's just it would be enraging to me. And I, I completely understand, right, if you do. I'm not questioning it, and I think – that this isn't me hurting my elbow, patting me on the back. I think our station does an incredible job of covering it. Right, and Parker's I'm, great. Parker's incredible. Tyler is, is is tied in. You know, we got Travis who's all over it. It's they they do a really good job, and and we get good guests. And on people to talk dig about it. it. They want to hear about it. I just I can't live in that world, man, of back and forth and nonstop. Is oh, I heard so and so's doing this. Is so and so going here? It's like. Just uh, signing day will get here. But I, I completely understand why you're eating up with it. So whenever you get – I heard Anthony Evans is taking an unofficial visit. Does that mean that we're just going to drop him? And then if they don't, then everyone else is like, oh, see, he's not a man of his word. He's not going to drop him. It just it doesn't – It's it seems like it's too stressful. Like I like calm, cool, collected, easy, smooth things. That's what I like. Well – I don't need to be stressed every day about what a 17- or 18-year-old is thinking. Help me jog my memory here. Do, I Go mean, ahead. Did Brent Venables specifically say, you know, if somebody takes a visit, we're going to drop them? I don't know if there was anything. It was, In other words, if you're committed, you're committed and you don't visit was kind of the – had always been my understanding. Sure. And, I mean, that's a great theory, right? I mean, that's a great, great way to go about your business. Right. You'd but, like it to be equal across the board, but – I mean, at the end of the day, you're probably not going to be able to convince every player that's committed to totally shut everything down. It would be a good practice what you preach moment, though. Ugh. I don't know that it would make people happy if, for example, Evans took that visit and you said, yeah, well, you're not committed to us then. Do you want a little NFL breaking news? Chiefs just got Kadarius Tony, Third-round pick. And a sixth-round pick. Which the sixth-round or whatever, you know. Um, Is Tony good? He was in college. He hasn't done anything yet in the NFL. Ah, terrific. Right. But I also think it's a 
Remember, Tony was one of the Gators that, you know, checked out and thus brought the junior varsity team to the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. That's correct. So he's the reason that the right. Excusinator 5000 was opened up. Ten games played, four starts. Interesting. By so, the way. little little cheap gamble. Also, a rapper who goes by the name of Young Joka. So now you've got Young Joka. I don't like Joka. that. I don't like that part at all. Uh, Thursday worry. Here's I'll just throw this out because it's been pretty common throughout the week that Iowa State used the bye week to get right. You know, in other words, I'm not. You know, Decker's is not what we thought he was going to be, but he hasn't been terrible, and he shows these. We're talking about flash plays. He had that flash drive, if you will, against Baylor at the end of the first half, which is still go back and watch it. It's one of the best drives I've seen this year. I mean, he's just throwing darts. And the rest of the season, he hasn't been that guy. He's not that guy. You're not that guy, Hunter Deckers. <laughs> You're not that guy. And yet, their passing offense has been the bright spot offensively for them. Which is wild. Which is wild. But it's actually, I think, uh, rated better than Oklahoma's. Or no, Oh, is it really? No, no. But Hold on. I got it all right third, here in front of me. Third down conversion is what I'm thinking of. They're better at than OU. So, Iowa State's... Points per game, they're 103rd in the country. They stank. In their total offense is uh, – OU, by the way, is 36th. Total offense is 10th for – wait, is that right? No, that's total defense. Excuse me. Total offense is 88th. Oklahoma's 23rd. And keep in mind, that's Oklahoma with what happened in Tex- in Dallas against Texas. Right. Uh, passing yards per game, yeah, they're be- they're higher ranked than Oklahoma. Okay, I, I, th- yeah, I, thought right. I, I thought I saw that. They're, 40, it, it, they're 40th, OU is 60th. But again, that Texas game is kind of the anomaly. There. I know. It, it totally ruins the numbers. Same thing with the third down conversion percentage mm-hmm. for both teams. It's Iowa State's a little bit better on third downs than OU offensively converting. But again, that Texas game, you, you know, it's totally screwed up some of the numbers for the Sooners. Anything else to add in the worries that the Sooners struggle with turnovers? You know, they well, turned over a couple times against Kansas. Hopefully that doesn't become a – uh, an issue because those things tend to kind of combine and roll downhill. I'll, I'll just go back to the well of what we talked a little bit about earlier. I mean, to me, my big worry in the game is that their bad's better than your bad. I think that's where the game is going to be won is can Jirel Brock and Iowa State run the football? And if the answer to that is yes over Oklahoma, it's going to be a dogfight and probably you're going to lose the names. Hmm. All right. Um, Let's break. And I'm hoping that the answer is they're not going to be able to run it all that effectively because they haven't against really anybody else. You know, Thursday worry, too, is that you get right in an area that you haven't been good at all year long for Iowa State, and that's running the football. That's a worry because Oklahoma hasn't been very good at stopping it, unfortunately. All right, let's break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap with some of your texts next right here on The Ref. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, a couple uh, quick texts before we get out of here. I like this. From the 214. Come on, guys. Recruiting is the modern-day soap opera for sports fans. Never-ending drama, villains, heroes, and wild plot lines. That's true. That is true. Wrestling. It is. Uh, wrestling's that for me. Yes. You're not, but you're not a wrestling fan, so I can't talk about it. Uh, 405. <laughs> Don't be upset. <laughs> Follow the money. Where is the revenue for the four new schools coming to the Big 12 coming from? No one will address this. Exactly. Where is the revenue coming from and what they perceive is going to be a better TV deal than what they had in the American? 
Uh, re- Wait, run that by me again. Oh, I just deleted it. Basically, where is their where is their increase in revenue coming from? How do they increase your revenue? The uh, Cincinnati's, UCF, Houston, and BYU's. Well, they the don't, and that's exactly. why they're not getting more cash. I mean, the these numbers have inflated across the board on these TV deals, sure. and basically, the probably what's going to happen is the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve are not going to see their numbers increase, right? right? Exactly. And that's kind of going to be what it is. Because I, I'm looking at this story that I wrote back in, oh, let's see here. I think it was March. This is from – we talked about this back then. But, yeah, th- this is March. And Navigate is a company that basically projects payouts, right? right. Projects media rights deals and kind of what they might look like. And back in March, this this will give you an indication of just how dead wrong they were. They thought the Big 12 would be in the – this is the year 2025, right? Right. Which, it's my understanding, what we're looking at, that's what they were describing, right? Is the year 2025, three years from now? Correct. So, by my math, it'd be $29 million per school. They thought the payouts would look like this. The SEC – well, the Big 10 would be tops with $75.2 million per school. The SEC, 74.9. And then the Big 12 would be third, $44.3 million per school. And – Keep in mind, this is after they already knew already knew Oklahoma, Texas were gone. So that's well short of what they were projecting. I mean, fifteen million skinny of that. One more investigative reporting from the four hundred five. I'm not a Jimbo bef- defender, but I think there's some accent droll being misconstrued. Wasn't he saying if I go somewhere that's winning all the time, not why go somewhere that's winning all the time? Listen. I'm I'm going to treat this like we treated the rumors about the the guys getting busted for smoking pot in the locker room. Why let facts get in the way of a good story? But let's listen to it one more time. Just just for S's and G's. Oh, hey, hold on, that's the wrong cut. <laughs> that would have been really embarrassing. Um Lacom, here it is. So, this is Jimbo Fisher on recruiting with four losses Here, so far anyway, also you know you look at that in the back they see opportunities everybody says well, i go somewhere's winning all the time i may not anyway, also you know you look at that in the back they see opportunities everybody says well, i go somewhere's winning all the time so in other words he's saying, may not play for a while you know what i'm saying if i go somewhere that's winning all the time instead of why go somewhere that's winning all the time it's close you know look what at i'm that saying the they see opportunities everybody says well, i go somewhere's winning all the time Jimbo, oh, I think man. it's a, I think it's a very interesting discovery on your part, sir. But I'm sorry, I have already committed myself to him saying, "Why go somewhere? Smoke him if you got him. Why go somewhere that's winning all the time?" All right, hey, have a great rest of your Thursday. Steel Man and Thune at noon or next.